there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, welcome back to the show about money. It is Hi-Fi Radio, and I am Wolfgang Klein, your host of The Money Show uh, here on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. In for the cause, my key man, Mr. Jack Hartle. Uh, Jack, good to have you on the show as always. Happy Saturday to you. Happy Saturday, Wolf. Indeed. Uh, we got uh, Drew Donaldson on the line. We're going to be talking about mortgages. We're going to be talking about real estate right here, right now. Uh, Drew Donaldson is a partner um, with SafeBridge Financial. Is that correct, Drew? Yes, exactly. Yep. And so really what Drew is, uh, beyond a partner, he's a mortgage broker. Um, if you're looking to get a mortgage, uh, Drew Donaldson is the man. Hey, do you still do your little newsletter, News from Drew? You still write that puppy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that goes out on a monthly basis. Goes so, out to the whole well, app. so perhaps if the audience wants to subscribe to News from Drew, they can do so how? Uh, just, you know what? Just email me at drew at safebridgefinancial.com and I'll have my assistant set everything up. Drew at safebridgefinancial.com. So, I, uh, Drew, I'm going through some economic data on uh, Canadian housing, uh, a couple of different data points on Canadian housing. And uh, like most markets in the last six months, I say most markets, bonds, gold, stocks, oil, real estate basically has had a price correction. Real estate quite significantly. And people keep saying, you know, to us, they you can't go wrong making money in real estate. But um, certainly there has been some corrective action in some markets. Uh, prices on a, was it, Jack, on, on greater metro Toronto area, you got the chart right there. Uh, the peak of price, I think, was what, 785, Jack? Uh, correcting down to uh, average price of home now uh, in, in the 600s, is it? Yeah, it's, it's down. It's definitely maybe five, ten percent, something like that for sure. And, and and then if you look at the long-term return now of uh, Canadian real estate, if you go back ten years, or Toronto real estate, if you go back ten years, uh, the compound rate of return for real estate is five point six percent, which is incredible. Uh, yeah, sorry, the peak of of uh, real estate in Toronto back in seventeen, it ran up to eight seventy five. Uh, in the greater Toronto area, eight seventy five for your average home in seventeen. Uh, most recent data point coming out in January of this year, uh, below 775. Actually, ending price 725, representing a 10-year period rate of return 5.49%. Um, which is still which is still not a bad a rate return. of return. It's a very good rate uh, of return. The, the long return, long-term return for Toronto homeowners, and like we've talked about, a lot of homeowners in Toronto are millionaires just because they've bought and held onto their house for the last 10 to 15 years. I, I, the, 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 I think the bulk of the millionaires I see because a millionaire mean, means you actually. Own the house, right, Jack? You and I talk about well, that. Well, a millionaire is a million dollars in financial assets, as far as I'm concerned. Well, in asset period, it could be in gold, it could be in the house. But if the bank is holding a big mortgage, well, no, you don't own the million dollar house. The bank owns part of the million dollar house. Yeah, and you're paying a, a form of rent in the amount of interest that you're paying. And, and Drew obviously uh, is involved in that industry, and that's what he, uh, um, you know, mortgage. He sees he sees some of these big mortgages out there in Toronto, and I think. Uh, um, you know, uh, some of them are scary, but uh, I think he also uses them as a bit of a tool for individuals to, uh, um, you know, bridge uh, houses, whether it's construction, those types of things. So he's doing a lot of good in terms of being able to make houses housing affordable to a lot of people that, um, you know, maybe they're high net worth individuals that don't have the liquidity, uh, the, the immediate liquidity that they need. 
You know, it's incredible because rent versus own. Uh, I got a very, very good real estate report here from RBC. Um, buyers of the average condo in Vancouver, Toronto, Victoria, and Montreal are paying a premium of more than $900 a month relative to renting a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, so with, with ownership in many markets, uh, you are paying more than you'd have to if you're just a simple renter. But the affordability index in Canada, Drew, and I want you to speak to this here as well. Obviously, you do in the greater metro area. And uh, again, in the greater metro, I gave you the numbers. It went from 875 down to, I think, seven and a quarter. But again, if you get more into the core of Toronto, prices really haven't budged a whole lot, maybe down 1%. But the affordability index, uh, Drew, and you can speak to this here because this is when you start to play with the numbers, see how much people qualify for. Affordability index in Vancouver, for example, says you basically have to use up 85% of your household income to service uh, your all-in cost to carry a house in Vancouver. 84.7% of income going towards, obviously, your taxes, your maintenance, your property, and excuse me, your principal and your interest. Um, ridiculous versus other markets in, in, in Canada remain at the 30% level. And, and those are the markets, the Vancouver markets that you're talking about, Wolfgang, where it is actually just cheaper to, especially for a, a single individual or maybe a couple without kids, just to rent. I'm going to Reggie, baby. Regina, 20, 29% affordability index, meaning 29% of income goes to pay for your uh, housing. Ontario, uh, Toronto specific, 66%. Uh, look, I got three kids, Jack. You have three kids. I want my kids to stay relatively close to home and hence find some affordable housing. Um, Drew, let's talk about the new government um, program uh, that Jack is more versed in than I, part of the federal budget 2019. Um so the, gov- the government's actually uh, proposed, and I don't think they have all the details out right now, but uh, for first-time home buyers, if you're buying a, a new house, they're, they're willing to take potentially 10% equity in that house. Uh, that's for first-time new builds. And then if it's an existing home, I think it's uh, 5% uh, that they're going to give you in, in terms of equity, which I think is repaid uh, once the house is sold. So uh, h- how do you see that um, as, a, as a positive or, or negative development, uh, Drew? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was more lipstick than anything. Um, you know, it's only affecting homes below 480000 So as you can imagine in Toronto, there's not really any condos below four eighty nowadays. Right. Um, so they came out with the 25000 uh, increase to 35000 on the RSP withdrawal, and then they did come out with the shared equity program. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, it was just tabled. Um, it is in the budget, so they budgeted for it. But the details of the program, they haven't gotten too deep with. Uh, Bill Morrow, I mean, he's been on a few uh, uh, you know, radio shows and things like that recently. And he even himself can't tell you the exact parameters around it other than it's going to appeal to um, the entry-level uh, homeowner below 500000 and that uh, you know, it's going to be up to 10% of the shared equity in the house. But they have not said whether they're going to charge an interest rate. They're not, they also have not said... Uh, when you go to sell the house, are they going to take uh, the same equity position that they took um, in the sale proceeds? So if you made 50 grand on the house and they took 10%, are they getting that extra 5,000? You know, there, there's still details that have to come out around that. Yeah, I, I got a quick piece here from Global News, and they basically show on a 400,000 uh, insured mortgage with and without the incentive, and the average Canadian uh, would be paying on the insured mortgage 1973 bucks a month, with the incentive, with the government participation, it would drop their monthly payment from 1973 down to 1745. Uh, obviously, more details to follow. We'll see uh, if, if this actually gets its way through. But uh, well, 
I think it's going to put upward pressure on the house on, on house prices. I actually don't think it's a good thing. Uh, but uh, we have to go to break here. We do have uh, Drew Donaldson. He's a mortgage broker uh, with Safe Bridge Financial. We're going to just discuss what's going on in the world of interest rates and affordability of homes and so much more on Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio 640 in Toronto, right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host, Jack Hartle, in for the cause. I like having a wingman. It makes my job so much easier. We got Drew Donaldson on the line. Drew Donaldson is a mortgage broker um, with Safe Bridge Financial. Um, <coughs> Drew, Jack just put uh, a little note up my face, said 50 cent. Um, a couple weeks ago, I saw a... Uh, uh, well, how would you describe that home I saw, Jack? It was, it was a mo- it was a fifty. 15- it was a mansion, is what it was. It was a mansion. A mansion I saw, I mean, saw, the- yeah, I saw a mansion on the hill. Mansion on the hill. It was on a two-acre lot, uh, basically Royal York and Eglinton area on North Drive. Uh, it was a two-acre lot. It was a fifteen thousand square foot. Beautiful, beautiful looking structure. 15,000 square foot home. I don't know how many bedrooms, nine bathrooms, six bedrooms. It was insane. 15,000 square feet. And the uh, asking price on it was $6.2 million. And I said, Jack, $6.2 million for 15,000 square feet on two acres. Boy, oh boy, that's actually a bargain when I see, you know, garbage in Toronto going for $1.5 million. This $6 million home is actually a good deal. Which then leads me to a story uh, with 50 Cent that Jack put under my nose. Uh, 50 Cent just took an 85% haircut on a massive, massive home in Connecticut. Uh, it was 51,000 square foot home that he ended up selling for, I don't know, two, three million dollars. Uh, he paid, I think, four for it, put a bunch of money into it, basically took a massive haircut. So Drew, th- before we get to the so, so he got 18 cents on the dollar. That's what we were talking about in the office. So we're 50 cents got 18 cents on the dollar. That is correct, Jack. Yeah. Uh, do, do how often you come across that when you actually see these super exclusive, super high-end homes of the rich and famous um, just not getting a bid and basically selling below um, builder's cost, basically, basically for below land value. Well, maybe. we did the math on a 50,000-square-foot house. I think that was $80 a square foot. We saw the house. There's no way you'd be building it for that. It would be yeah, probably no, three to $500 a square foot. Correct. In Toronto, absolutely three to 500 So do you come across situations like that, Drew, where the super high-end stuff ends up selling at, on a perfect base at a bargain price? Uh, yeah. So I would say in 2018, definitely the market kind of you know corrected itself. And the outskirts of Toronto, especially the, you know, the GTA and Mississauga regions, those kind of things, yeah. um, you would see the, a big discount on some of these luxury properties. What I have noticed in 2019 is the luxury market is definitely coming back. I mean, we had one cross our desk the other day. It was nine million bucks. Guy was going to put 50% down, uh, you know, do a million and a half dollar rental to the thing once it's done. So, oh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a double. It'd be a three million rental. I know what that's like, eh? Whatever you budget, double you know, it. Exactly. Once the contractors get in there. So, you know, we are seeing the luxury market come back. Um, people are putting enough down payment to kind of appease the banks and Aussie and that kind of thing. Um, but, but no, you're right. I mean, there, there is the odd time, especially on the outskirts of Toronto, where people think they can buy this massive house and it's going to operate and they can always sell it. 
it's just not the same as Toronto proper. They're just, they're, 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 it's a tale of two different markets. What did, so, what, what did that lawyer call those things? They're called albatross. You end up with an albatross uh, around your neck. But uh, anyways, um, so, so, the, so that uh, $5 million mortgage that you have there for this uh, individual, Drew, um, they obviously can afford the house. Um, they, they don't have the liquid assets. Is that what it is? Or like, what's the income requirements like for these uh, very high net worth individuals that are getting these massive mortgages? Yeah, so so the good news is, I mean, some of our banking partners are starting to push back on OSFI, and as long there's equity programs coming back. So as long as people have it tied up in you know mutual funds or maybe even in their business, um, it, it all comes down to us jumping on the phone with their accountant, going through the the full plan with them, and saying, okay, does it make sense to pull the four or five million bucks out of stocks or out of the business, or does it make more sense to take a three percent mortgage? Right, keep sure. your money in play in your business or in, in stocks, where you can probably yield and know. not trip again, perhaps not trip again. So they're really yeah, they're really using a mortgage, a very large mortgage, as a tool in a lot of uh, high net worth individuals. It, exactly, because we can't forget. I mean, rates are still historically extremely low right no now. No doubt, no doubt. Hey, so Drew, it's a simple question that we always want to ask: uh, short or long? Uh, for the most part, the average variable employee. What do I mean by that? Upperly mobile people, even like our producer here, Brittany, and, and Hi Fi Radio. Brittany's a young, very, very hardworking lady. She's part of the gig economy. She works two jobs. She's upperly mobile. She's, her income is going to double. You heard me, Brittany. Your income is going to double in time. I promise you that. Um, so, would you lock in uh, first time home buyers for five years, or would you, would you play the variable game? Uh, short rates tend to be lower than long rates. So, what is the differential between a, a variable and a five year fixed, and what's the price of money these days? Yeah, so if you're looking at a first-time home buyer, maybe we can get prime minus one, so 2.95% on a variable in yep. most cases. Uh, fixed, you're looking at about, they've dropped 50 basis points in the last month, but you're looking at 309 to 319 uh, would be the average. I would say if, if they're right at the top end of the ratio and they don't see uh, a lot of increases coming or maybe they're putting 5 or 10% down, Let's keep it with a five-year fix. No doubt. Yeah, uh, 309 versus 290. Absolutely, you got to go the five-year fix in this. Jack, do you have a mortgage coming to? I do in October. You want to? You want to talk about what we're going to do? We'll do it right now. Let's lock it in with Drew right now. <laughs> how far? How far can you actually uh, lock in a rate? Because I actually uh, I emailed my banker yesterday. I think it's is that it, your banker. You're not dealing with Drew. What's that? You're not dealing with Drew. No, no. Are you, are you, are you having an affair on your buddy Drew <laughs> on Hi-Fi Radio? You're finding about this Drew. I, I, actually, oh. I got my mortgage before. You got some selling before, to do, Drew. I would say before I knew Drew. But um, so yeah, Drew, how far out can you actually lock in a rate? Which is a, a good question for a lot of people because you uh, can do that, and if the rates fall, you actually get the better rate, right? Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, we always actually tell people, we say, you know what, go, go talk to your bank, get whatever they're going to offer yep. and over the next 190 to 120 days. You know, let's make something either give you a better strategy or like you said, better pricing, better interest rate. You know, we'll make sure the mortgage is a little bit more flexible. The, the big problem with the big five banks, uh, and there are partners at the end of the day as well, but on the five-year fixed rate, the penalty calculation that they use uh. Uh, even for a first-time home buyer, it's, it's risky because a lot of people who buy that condo, they think they're going to be there for five years. You know, three years from now, they end up, you know, getting married or something changes in their life and they want to sell and take the equity. So, you know, taking a five-year fixed rate with a big bank doesn't always make sense. Although- yeah, but you can get a portable mortgage, correct? Yeah, it can be portable, but again, there's still still some limitations there. Right. Um, we do the analysis just to make sure people are informed. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Drew Donaldson, SafeBridge Financial, mortgage broker. If your mortgage is up for renewal, shop the market. Uh, having an independent uh, broker work uh, your 
file, uh, I think can be very, very helpful. It's a commodity. Uh, yes, money is a commodity, my good friends. A lowest price actually does win. A service like Jack and I provide, lowest price doesn't win. No, value wins, my good friend. That's what Jack and I deliver. Uh, Drew, a pleasure having you on. Uh, you keep up the good work and keep us informed because uh, mortgages do matter. But my friends, I also want you to pay those mortgages off. Don't take on too much debt. Take on less debt. Uh, and that way you can save. Save first, save, excuse me, save first, spend second, not the other way around. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio will return uh, right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio, my favorite show on the radio. I must say, it really is. I just love this show. I love it so much. I work so hard to bring it to you, the people. Um, people, first and foremost, again, it's a show about money. If you want to have money, step number one, you must save. I cannot stress this point enough. My, my mantra for two, two, 2019 is to save and compound your money. Uh, you can't compound if you don't save. And to compound, it requires time. Uh, the market is a nervous place. It's a Nelly, nervous Nelly. And it can shake you out. Uh, it's, I think, my job to give you quality ideas that you can have comfort in, like comfort food. Uh, Michael Graham, uh, he's an analyst of ours. Uh, we've had him on the show many times. He's a super smart guy. And he covers some pretty interesting companies, uh, Amazon, Google, Facebook. Um, and it's a pleasure to have him back on the show. And we're going to talk to you about some quality companies that Jack and I believe have a lot of runway. Uh, so we believe you can hold these companies for an extended period of time, perhaps five, 10 years. Uh, but yeah, they, that, in the industry, they call it secular growth. And the, the, a lot of these social media companies that we're going to be addressing here in technology companies, uh, it's digital advertising. And you, you see how much traditional advertising is losing to the internet right now. And, you know, Facebook and, now, and now the ad rates on this show, by the way, are going up because the ratings are going up. I just want you to know that. Right. Um, but I guess but, <laughs> digital media is growing at, at a secular, in a secular uh, growth phase right our now. Our little podcast, that's considered digital, isn't it? little podcast thingy that we do here? For sure, yeah. yeah. Can, yeah. Can, uh, listeners can listen to it when they want to and they listen to portions of it or not, right? Yeah, and, and that, that's really what Netflix was all about. You cover Netflix as well, don't you, Michael? I do indeed. That's your stock as yeah. well. Uh, so, look, so much to talk about. Let's talk about Zuckerberg first. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the founder of uh, Facebook. Uh, 2.7 billion users uh, on Facebook. Uh, Jack, a great article, basically, uh, with all this um, regulation, concerns about privacy. Zuckerberg, I think, wants to have government include him in reforming policy so that he's not getting shot after the fact. He can prepare and, and, and adapt and, and create according to having he, he wants to be he, he's why well, i say he knows that regulation is coming at social media he recognizes that it's social media is here to stay mm -hmm. and there's going to be regulation about it so i think that uh, he did an op-ed i think it was in the washington post and he's uh, he wants to be part of the conversation and how they uh, create the regulation around social media because it's coming you may as well get involved with it so the, the the key pillars that he's focusing on jack are what politics privacy um Portability, you mentioned. That's correct. Yeah. And then who owns oh, your then, data? Yeah, so, so Michael, so Michael, what do you think he's about? Also, he's also focused on uh, hate speech too, right? Hate, hate and, speech and, and defining and it and terrorism. So, 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 Michael, can you please speak to that? Because I think Zuckerberg is a very, very smart man. He got himself into the crosshairs with sharing data, not controlling the data close enough, uh, and got himself really, really, really into the hot water. Uh, but who better to understand going forward? 
where social media is going to go than a guy like Mark Zuckerberg. So speak to the whole concept of this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a central question. And um, I just want to say, too, Wolf Thing, because you said it at the top, this is my favorite radio show, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you we know, have to get a little mnemonic for that from now on, Brittany. <laughs> like a little ding. That's what they do on the Oakley show. I want to be like John Oakley. He, um, you know, about two years ago, he sort of looked at his business and, and, and saw two deficiencies. One was that the ad load um, was sort of going up too much and, and consumer engagement, you know, user engagement was um, maybe not as good as it, as it could be. Uh, and then the second thing, and this was based more on outside factors, is that they had some real is- uh, issues around like data and privacy of data. Um, and, you know, they had some unfortunate events happen. So he really um, was proactive and I thought showed a lot of leadership and, and sort of foresight by pivoting the company um, away from those two problems. And um, one of the, you know, really easy things to see show up in the financials was they started moving users into uh, use cases that were more meaningful to those users but didn't generate as much revenue, like like stories, for example. So that's one thing that's been weighing on fundamentals a little bit this year. But then, you know, you're, I think you guys are exactly right. He's going into the regulators proactively and saying, um, listen, you know, let me be a part of the solution, and at least that way we can see it coming. But I also think, you know, Facebook actually, you know, cares about this stuff. So I think it's a positive. Well, I think it is as well. I own the stock. Um, you know, it broke trend. It had the cleanest chart for, I don't know, 10 years, Jack. And it, or, for, well, since IPO. Since it, IPO. It had, I would say initially went down after IPO, found its base, yeah. and then obviously uh, went straight up since then. And, and, and clean, and then, clean. Exactly, it was yeah. such a clean smooth. And then last summer it sort of fell out of bed. And then it fell out of bed and went into the red zone on our SA uh, relative strength model. So, um, so, Mike, I'd just like to ask you with this consumer privacy, uh, California is enacting, I think, uh, Consumer Privacy Act 2020 uh, following on, on the European Union. Um, are you modeling that into uh, Facebook right now, and, and how do you see that uh, unfold? You know, it, it's a good question, and, you know, it's even um, more interesting, too, to see if some other states or maybe even the feds will, you know, follow suit. Um, it's a little early to know how this is going to impact Facebook financially. Um, what it does do, I think, is, um, you know, it makes it a little harder for Facebook to and other platforms to target ads. Um, so, you know, one of the key things in the Facebook model is uh, a steady ad price expansion, um, and, th- you know, that legislation could, um, you know, be a factor there. Um, it would be a much more significant factor if it turned out to be applied, you know, sort of globally or at least, you know, all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Europe had their GDPR regulation, um, you know, all these major platforms complied with it globally uh, immediately, even though they didn't have to. Um, you know, we actually think that the bigger platforms are much better equipped to comply with all these regulations because they can just throw resources at it and figure out. That makes good sense, Mike. Good, good sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is calling for as well, because the internet is a global medium of exchange. You can't really have state by state regulation. You you can, but I mean, as a, as a, as the internet, like I said, is global, it should really be a global uh, regulation or system that people agree to. I think, you know, it was incredible. Mike, do you remember back in the nineties and I'm, I'm dating myself, but I can do that. You know, Uh, that's what happens when you, Eclipse 50 years of age. Uh, do you remember the talk internationally about radio, which is what this is, terrestrial radio, we call this, going digital? And I guess there was a European format and there was a North American format and the two could not agree and it never, ever happened. 
And there was so much talk about digital radio back in the 90s. It didn't come to fruition. Uh, Were you part of the scene back then, uh, Mike? Yeah, I remember that. And and you also, you know, had some of the same things with different wireless standards globally. And, you know, um, you need everyone on the same page and the same operating system to get the network effects that that, that some of these technologies can offer. So, um, you know, but but it, it, it goes to the point that, like, if you have to adapt to a patchwork of regulations, if you have a big company with a lot of resources, it's not really going to be that much of a hurdle for you to hire 100 extra engineers and you know, have them focused on it. But if you're a smaller company that's you know, the people's media or you're trying to kind of have a smaller website, it's, it's really um, an, an unfortunate expense that you have to, that you have to bear. So uh, we're going to bring Michael Graham back onto the show uh, to talk about driverless cars uh, because Google has more self-driven miles than any autonomous vehicle company in the world. Michael Graham, analyst with Canaccord Genuity, covers all those really sexy fang stocks, uh, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and the likes, Netflix, of course, as well. Uh, it's a treat to have him on the show. Stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Well, welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, a show about money uh, and a little bit of high fidelity weaved in just to keep you entertained. Um, yes, it is a show about money. If you want to have some money, you must begin by working, followed by saving, and followed by investing in a compounding manner by quality, 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 first and foremost. We stress it. Uh, we stress it. We stress it. We stress it. Uh, Google, I believe, is a quality business. Jack, how long have we held Google now? It basically, I'd say a year after IPO, we've, for well, the most we, part, hung on to it. We gave, sold, sold some off in 07, 08 during the financial right. crises. I, but I would say for the better part, anyways, of five, six years, we've seven, held it. Seven, eight, and I'd say five, seven, yeah. The, the other thing that I would say with a company like that is uh, our biggest winners tend to be the companies that we've held for the longest period of time. So those growth, those long-term compounders, those companies that have high return on capital, high return on equity, uh, yep. increasing sales, just... Leave them alone. Let them do their thing. Companies like Google or Alphabet now yep. uh, tend to be those secular growth trends that give you a lot of uh, the nice returns that investors are looking for. Yeah. So Michael Graham is an analyst. He covers Google. And yeah, it's a search company. I get it. It's a it's YouTube, which I love YouTube. But they also have uh, another division. And and so I want Michael you to speak about the other division because in it is, is Waymo. Waymo's, uh, as opposed to Waco. <laughs> Remember Waco? Waymo's. I don't like that name, Waymo. Waymo's fleet of self-driving cars uh, has driven out more than 10 million miles on actual city roads. Why don't we talk about this? This is huge, Michael, that, they, that they've logged so many hours, especially with the Boeing 737 MAX um, story front and center. Uh, Google obviously has to make expertise in driving vehicles, but what's that got? Are they searching for stuff with these cars? What's going on here? What's that got to do with search? Yeah, I mean, Google, um, you know, made a decision a while ago to, they've actually been investing in sort of everything under the sun for many years, but they made a decision a few years ago to um, separate that into another division called Other Bets and also to um, pare down the number of these projects. So, you know, they've got some big projects going on in the healthcare arena. And yes, what, robotic surgery, I see they got, they're involved in robotic surgery. 
Yep, and um, and so on on the Waymo front, it's it's one of the most important sort of other bets that they have, and it's an operating system for uh, self-driving cars. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, we all feel that um, autonomous vehicles uh, are going to be a big part of the landscape in the future. And when know, do you think? Sorry, it's already interrupted, Michael. Uh, when in the future do you think they're going to be significant, in your opinion? I think most of the people who um, who pay close attention to this believe that. You know, within the next few years, we will start to see um, uh, a little bit of autonomous vehicle usage um, in some of the suburban markets in good weather, in the daylight. I think it's going to be, you know, I mean, at least a decade before um, it really starts to put a meaningful dent in sort of passenger miles. Ten, ten years, yeah. Wow. So, so, are, so are these individuals? Are these fleets? Are they... Uh, I, I think like, they're combines in Saskatchewan I can handle. If, that works, if, if, yeah. if That works. Big fields. Run 24 hours, full board. Jimmy Pattison's all over it, by the way. Uh, he's taking big, big stakes in dealerships. What is it? John Deere? John? That John Deere, yeah. The John Deere. And he says the but farm... But agriculture over the last 100 years has continued to adapt with technology and been more productive, and that's exactly what we're talking about here, doing more with less. And if you can have autonomous vehicles and autonomous fleets out there, whether it's you know FedEx or UPS or uh, taxi cab companies. It certainly makes uh, it, it reduces the cost of labor and makes companies and individuals more productive. Um, let, let, let's pivot for a second here, staying on Google's other bets division. Um, so we talked about surgery, Michael, briefly. They're they're I guess trying to compete with uh, the likes of Isrig, which is Intuitive Surgical, that uh, has the Da Vinci system uh, for, I believe it's prostates. Yes, for prostate surgery. Very, very precise uh, uh, surgery. Uh, robots do a better job. Uh, but So what other divisions do they have or, or other bets are they making in their other bets uh, category? You know, the, those are most of the big ones. They also have a Nest, which is, um, you know, like a... Like Home monitoring. Yeah, I see the bill. I see the billboards in Toronto for that. They also have, sorry, a video gaming business. Uh, what do you think of their their video game streaming business? Because because e gaming seems to really really be getting a lot of traffic traction right now, Mike. Yep, it kind of goes. That kind of goes hand in hand with YouTube, you know, which is uh, you know the biggest sort of short form video viewing platform in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they view that as you know a, a really high engagement, fast growth form of entertainment. The, the, e, the e-sports and, and e-gaming. Um, so that's definitely an area of investment. You know, there they're trying to also keep up with Amazon, which bought Twitch, which is the leading, you know, game streaming platform. So it's just sort of a natural extension of, you know, what they're doing with YouTube. So, so with all these tentacles that they have out there, uh, Michael, what do you see them monetizing and what do you see, uh, I guess, the best lever for them to pull to, to get uh, cash flow down to the investors? Well, I think in the near term uh, and even in the medium term, it's still going to be all about search and YouTube. Um, You know, search is still growing, you know, fairly nicely, but YouTube is growing uh, really well. Um, And that, you know, should probably dominate the landscape here for the the short to medium term. I think probably the first, um, you know, the first other bet that's going to generate revenue on a scale um, that would sort of make it show up and be significant will probably be Waymo. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, as we just talked about, is several years away. So I think that, you know, investors sometimes try to put a value on, on the other bets. They are losing money, so it's hard to kind of put a value on them. Um, it's optionality, I think, is the way a lot of investors view it. Yep. Uh, and, um, you know, probably it's not going to impact the financials for quite some time. Interesting. How much, sorry, final question here, Mike, before we let you go. How much money do they allocate to, towards other bets each and every year on a percentage basis to income or percentage basis to earnings? Uh, 
Oh man, it's it's small. I mean, they're they have so much scale in their other businesses that like it's hard for them to you know it's hard for those businesses to even put a dent in it. So, so but it's not like Elon Musk, you know, taking my Tesla profit. I, I don't have any yet, but then spending it on a SpaceX type situation where uh, taking good money, and throwing it bad at a bad project. They're not doing that. There's nothing on that scale right now. Yeah, it's yeah. Still small relative to Google's, you know, overall size. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, Michael Graham, it's a real treat. It's a real honor to have you on Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, next, Jack and I are going to talk about the shared economy uh, in the world of fashion, and believe it or not, so much more. Uh, right after this on Hi-Fi Radio. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. High finance. Oh, it's so high, this finance of ours. Uh, it's not. It's easy stuff. It's so easy. All you have to do is save money. Uh, save, 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 and spend what's left. I can't stress the point enough. that, that, that my, my mentor for 2019, I want you, I want you, the listener, to become financially independent and send me some presents. You can do that. Uh, or better yet, give it to charity. I love that. Give the money to charity uh, and you get a tax refund. So please save some money. And you know something? We are now living in a new era. The world has so changed. It's called the shared economy. Uh, you can share a ride. Uh, you can share your office. Uh, what's the name of that? Uh, you can op- share your home too, right? You can share your Airbnb, share yeah. your home. Sharing your office is called, what's that company called? Work. WeWork is the name of it. WeWork. So it's, it's weird. You basically have a global office wherever you show, wherever there's an office, you can uh, sit and spend a day, a couple hours in a WeWork facility. Uh, sort of like a timeshare. Timeshares are so old school, eh? Old timeshares. Yeah, so it's, it's, not, it's not totally a new economy, right? You do uh, that the old timeshare, which people used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, preparing for your hi-fi radio, Jack gave me a great list here. The weirdest things you can rent. Uh, you can rent chickens to lay eggs. Eh, rent some chickens to lay some eggs. I don't, I, like I don't know what the that. neighbors would think of that one, but uh, okay. You're, you're allowed them now in Toronto. Uh, renting a wedding cake, Brittany. You can rent a wedding cake. You don't need to spend a G-note on it. Just rent the thing. Okay, don't touch that cake. It's got to go back. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. But uh, look, uh, in the first Canadian place, Jack, uh, there is a new brick and mortar store that allows ladies to rent gowns, uh, very lavish dresses right. for various formal functions. I can see that. Um, well, a lot of ladies go to a store and actually buy the dress they, and then wear it. Once. Hopefully they don't wreck it and then return it. So I, I've heard of that. I, I usually step my wife's feet rather than stepping on her dress. What do you step on your wife's dress or feet when you dance with her? A little bit of both, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, Nikki, our favorite uh, publicist, PR extraordinaire, has Brought to us this lady named Trisha, and her business is Your Favorite Dresses. Sustainable Toronto fashion, just in time for Earth Day. When is Earth Day? April 22nd. April 20, 22nd, 27th. eh? 27th. 22nd. 22nd. 22. 22. 22. April 22nd. Mm-hmm. All right, we have to get that right. April 22nd. Uh, and is that when we is that when we turn the lights off for an hour, turn the power no, down for an hour? No, that passed. That passed. I thought that passed, yeah. <laughs> I hope I saved some money from doing that, because I actually do. We do turn the lights off, I think. Well, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you saved a bit of dough then. I hope so. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to tell listeners to save some money. Uh, so please. But um, uh, fashion, 
Uh, I've rented a tuxedo a couple of times. I sort of get it. It's not that new. Uh, ladies renting dresses uh, and other items. Please tell us what is your favorite dresses all about, Trisha? So your favorite dresses is uh, an online company that uh, I own. And you can rent a dress for a rental period of four days to uh, eight days. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ship it to your house. Yep. You get to try it on uh, and wear it to your event. And yep. then we put a, pre, a prepaid parcel envelope into the box yep. that you can send it back to us. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I'm a bit of a fashionista myself, I must confess. I like. I can see uh, the yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, yeah I got my lime green shoes on, my, my, my nice European jeans, which I got on sale, by the way. These, I got these jeans on sale. I got everything on sale. It's I awesome sure. to get things on sale. And it has to be on sale like, because I want to save money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, exactly. I, I have to uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, I guess. This is Talk Radio 640 in Toronto, Global News Radio, by the way. Hi-Fi Radio is the name of the show. Uh, Trisha's in the studio. Your favorite dresses. Uh, Jack likes to save money, Jack. Uh, you so, know what? We, as as, as we, a business, though, Wolf, we love the rental business, too, because it's a very profitable business, very high margins. Uh, public companies that we talk about, so we trade in the, the public market sphere. Uh, United Rentals, if you want to get construction uh, equipment, those types of things. Uh, you can also have Sintas that do the uniform rentals. Uh, you can rent carpets business, from yeah. it's a fan, they're fantastic businesses rent, rent, because basically business basically they pay for whatever the the property is that they're renting for you within six months to a year something like that and above that it's all gravy for them you right know, I, so very profitable businesses I, I have a hairdresser that's singular hair dresser singular. right one, one fair, hair fair enough to, to be dressed he has to dress my one hair um, <laughs> and, and he comes up with the towels the towel thing lots of towels going on in this place here downtown <laughs> what's with the towels a lot of towels and i said to him, how many towels do you go through a week jack I think the number was about 600 towels. Are they Sintas? I, I don't know. Some guy comes in with a big basket and takes the dirty towels and brings fresh towels in three, four times a week. And, of course, you have the mat with the company. So they got the Sintas mat going on there. Right. But the towel business is good business. So that's being rental. Uh, before we carry on with my friend Trish, your favorite uh, dress is online uh, dress rental. Weirdest things you can rent. You can rent a friend. Like, I, I understand renting an escort. That I get. It's what you're doing. Let's call a spade a spade, oldest profession in the world. But you can also rent a dog. That I've never heard of. No? Rent yeah. a person to stand in line for you? I've heard of that. I've heard of that, I've too. Of a friend that. of mine once had two nannies, a bit neurotic guy. He had two nannies. One wasn't enough, one had two. Went to Wonderland. Yeah. He sat back. They, 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 these poor little ladies from the Philippines are standing in line, and I don't know what ride it was in a hot summer day, just before they get up, and you can move out and take back that spot, yeah. and off he goes for the little ride. Or the kids went on the ride. They, you know, they, they stood in line for the kids, because the kids couldn't have to stand up after all. Right. Oh, boy, rent for, and rent a paparazzi, I don't know. Rent goats to maintain your lawn. Jack yeah. was actually looking at I that was say, I don't know about that, but rent mourners for your funeral? That's a pretty sad Ooh. one. That's pretty you sad. You know which one I want to rent? <laughs> Uh, from an environmental impact, and I want to talk about this. I want to rent a casket for my funeral. I've seen caskets get purchased uh, and get in, uh, ignited, uh, sure. incinerated. Three hours later, the high buff, all the effort on that buff on that polish, gone, gone. Is the cost different though? I, I, I don't know. Oh, it's it's going to cost a lot less. To... To, yeah, it's going to cost a lot less to rent it, and you're not going to really need to use it for a whole lot. And you know what? 
I don't think it's really going to matter at that point. But you know I go what I'm back saying? to I go back to now my fashionista. I, I so I buy clothes every spring. I, want, I like my spring clothes, and as I purchase, I must get rid of. I don't have rubber walls at home, as my dad always said to me. We, so I have to part with certain items, and the items I part with are actually good. But you gave me a stat here that by uh, by doubling the wear of a garment, which you do through rental, you can decrease its environmental footprint by forty four percent. I think that is absolutely fantastic. More with Trish, your favorite dresses on Hi Fi Radio, right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio, a show of high about high finance. Uh, Jack Hartle, producer of the show, co-host of the show, Wolfgang Klein. In for the cause. The cause is to help you become wealthier. Um, you know, certain items, if you don't use them that frequently, i.e. a jackhammer. I don't really want a jackhammer. I probably want a hole somewhere. So you rent a jackhammer to buy that hole, to pay for that hole. I learned that in sales, uh, sales school. They say no one wants to buy a quarter-inch drill bit. They want a quarter-inch hole. Right? That's absolutely true. And the, the other thing, Wolf, you talk about it all the time. We walk by these cars in these parking lots downtown Toronto. Yep. There's... Millions of dollars worth of cars in these parking lots, yeah. and they're all depreciating. Yeah. So I, I parted with some clothes that were still in good shape. I'm hoping, I think, I'm not sure what they call the rag business, but the, the, when they collect garments, mm-hmm. um, it's a huge industry that sells it by the ton. Mm-hmm. Some of it gets recycled and reworn, and others, is, I guess, used for rags and the likes i'm not certain but uh obviously you're in the business of fashion it's obviously high fashion your favorite dresses uh trisha is the founder of the company i tell you dresses not probably not that different than a tuxedo you need some alterations uh, so some tweaks to make it just right so these dress like this a little easier to operate stretchy some of the pliable. dresses have a bit more stretch. I'll, uh-huh. I'll buy certain dresses that will stretch to two sizes, uh-huh. um, but I also buy sizes. Mm-hmm. So most popular sizes are between four to eight, mm-hmm. and then special, more special for extra small and extra large. But so, so when you're looking at these dresses, so how how many times uh, are you able to? What does it cost for you to buy the dress to start with, and then how uh, how many times can you actually go out and rent it out? And what's, what's the cost of rent an average dress? So to? I work with uh, wholesalers, and uh, I would average buying those dresses at approximately a hundred to two hundred dollars, and I would rent them out depending on the retail value of the dress, right? Uh, between fifty nine dollars to one hundred and thirty dollars. And and how many rents do you get per dress? Um, before it's it's no longer t- ten to fifteen, maybe even more, depending on on how good the quality of the fabric is. And in terms of uh, events that people would rent dresses from you for everything, uh, you name weddings, it. weddings. Uh, I get lots of guests of the weddings, um, date night, speaking events. All really? kinds. Of, it's 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 across the board. It's now, not so every, you know you can also rent a bridesmaid? <laughs> According to Jack, weirdest things you can rent, you can rent a bridesmaid. 
So what about renting so, a bride? I guess that's called divorce, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. So all of those are great, but for my business, it's, well, it's not. I mean, I mean, depends on uh, how you look at it. But for me, it's more of an environmental and sustainability, and get going into. I'm with Earth you. Day, so, so everything that you're doing online. So what, what's the? Uh, I guess you can track repeat customers. So mm-hmm. do you get a lot of repeat customers, and how do you go marketing uh, your business? Uh, so I work with Mailchimp for my email campaigns, and so I work also with work with uh, Mailchimp. So I have Mailchimp on my email campaigns. Okay, and I and my website is uh, with Shopify. So there's a lot of apps built into that that I use. There's a lot of uh, a lot of developing on on the back end of the site because yep. it's all online. That you know, that, that Shopify is a Canadian tech darling. It's it's, it's a beautiful. Canadian tech. Darling, yep. uh, Jack and I don't own Shopify. We've looked at it a number of times. I wish we owned it. The problem is it's always been a very expensive stock. And again, relative, relative to American peer tech stocks, it is pricey. But as far as Canadian tech go, there isn't a lot to choose from. Shopify has done a great job helping people like you mm-hmm. port your business online in Absolutely. a relatively seamless manner. So you're very pleased with what they're doing for you. Very I would say it really allows the individual not to compete with Amazon, but to be sort of on a, the same platform. You've got a, a digital platform for the individual that can really get their, their merchandise out online. Yeah. You, you know what I used to do on a Friday, folks? Let's, let's, let, let me date myself again. Um, I used to, on a Friday, Brittany... Go to Blockbuster Video. I love I love Blockbuster. I'd walk around, you know, talk I to the to Blockbuster stuff. before too. You don't know Blockbuster. Yes, Come on. Every Friday with my parents when I was like eight. Okay, I went to Jumbo Video as well. Uh-huh. Um, but I loved it. I used to love the big wall. I liked looking at the little box, little pictures. You know, I miss those days. But hey, life does move forward, doesn't it? We move from the steam engine to the uh, 737. Self-driving Max, sort of. I don't know about that. Um, you know, this whole shared economy, I want to ask you, Trish, going forward, where, what do you think we're going to start sharing next? Again, we spoke about automotive. We talked about clothing. Like, how far can this sharing go? I think we could take it the sky's the limit. I'm not really sure what more we could. Um, purses. I mean, I do. I know that I've, I've, I've found that idea from bag borrow and steal it was off of watching an episode from sex in the city i love sex that was such a great show yeah love sex in the city and that and that wasn't when i adapted like i bet you sarah jessica parker if she's going to some big gala event she's Mm -hmm. gonna rent her outfit i get that it ain't gonna be 59 dollars. they give they borrow those outfits borrow them yeah and then the jewelry for these events like that jewelry is worth are you gonna get Mm -hmm. the high-end jewelry i have jewelry i do a whole like accessory like it's a whole outfit Minus the shoes. Whole outfit minus the shoes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in terms of return, getting it to fit, is that a nightmare or does it work? Most of the time it works. I do have a try-on option as well for the uh, for my site. So that kind of eliminates the sizing issue. Mm-hmm. They can try it on for $30. It gets shipped to their house for 24 hours. They try it on at home and then they ship it back. And if they decide to rent it later on for their event, they get that $30 back in their rental cost. How long has your favorite dress has been in business? I I have been in business since 2009. I launched that website uh, last year. Is it doing well? Mm-hmm. Good for you. I congratulate you, Trish. You keep at it. Um, Jack, you don't need to buy your wife a dress. You can rent one for her. <laughs> you rent that you put in the closet. I think it's still there. 
You just take it out, give it back to Trish, and whatever. I'll tell her about Trish. About I don't it. think I'll be doing the rental, though. How's that, Wolf? Come on! Rent the dress. You can do it. I'll help you. Okay? Are we, we going to be renting dresses together now? That's what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> it is Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. I want to wish you a great weekend. Please save, invest, and spend what's less. Ooh, that almost rhymes. Hi-Fi Radio. More of it each and every Saturday on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.